We are continuing this morning in our sermon series, Let Freedom Ring. And as we hear from the Lord this morning, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, and ending this morning in in verse 34. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. At Page Heights, we always want to be effective in in delivering one truth. It seems like with all the distractions we have in our lives that we need to take something with us. So many times, especially in in my normal way of of writing, uh, there would be so many points that by the time we got home, we wouldn't take anything with us, right? We would be so distracted that we would not know exactly what we're supposed to take home. And at Page Heights, we want to be effective in, in teaching that there's one God, there's one Word of God, and we want to effectively teach the Word one truth at a time. Amen. So the truth this morning is freedom from worry. Our truth this morning is freedom from worrying. If you brought your Bible today, I'd love for you to join us. We're going to... Uh, read here in, in Matthew chapter 6 and if you would I would love for you to stand in the honor of God's word I'm going to read verses 25 to 34 in Matthew 6 therefore I tell you don't worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body what you will wear Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek All of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You may be seated. I think I heard an amen on that last part. And listen, amen. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. I mean, we all know that, right? As we read this, it's all too familiar. You know, he he begins very strong by talking about things that we can connect with. You know, what we should eat, what we will drink, what we wear. He talks about our bodies, right? He's saying that these are all things that we worry about. And listen, 2,000 years ago, right, as we tried to wrap our, our, our arms around the context in which this is written is in which Jesus is speaking and the people that he's speaking to and listen we're not very far removed from that 
that he's saying that these are things that people worried about then. And even today, I would say that we worry even more. Sometimes it's hard for us to, to decide whether we, is this more relevant or less relevant, right, in today's time than it was then. Well, one way that I would uh, get you to understand that we worry more than they did is we can just look back a few generations, right? I, I want you to think about your fathers and maybe even your grandfathers. You know, as I, as I this week, you know, meditated on worry and thinking about the generations before us, you know, our, our fathers and grandfathers didn't worry about going to the latest restaurant, right? The latest fad, like the newest place in town, right? I don't, I don't ever remember my father or grandfather talking about those types of things. You know, I think about today as we, as we try to decide where to go on vacation each year, it seems like we all try to outdo our vacation from last year, right? It's like you want to go to the newest spot. You know, it's always got to be taking it up a notch. But I don't ever remember our fathers and our grandfathers that being a priority in their lives. They didn't worry about those things, it seems like. You know, you, you talk about exercise. You know, Jesus mentioned don't worry about your body. And you think about our fathers and their grandfathers. I don't really remember them talking a lot about exercise. Right? They worked so much and they worked so hard that back then that exercise just took care of itself. But in today's time, we worry about exercise more than anybody ever has before. Right? It seems like there's an exercise spot in every strip mall. Right? There's a new CrossFit place going up in Hendersonville every other week. You know, I, I think back to our fathers and our grandfathers. And I don't ever remember them worried about the, the latest logo on their shirt. Right? Or what kind of shoes, what logo was on their shoes. I don't remember that. You know, I think about the, they didn't need the, la the latest brand name on their hat. I just don't remember that being a, an issue. They weren't worried about those things. You know, you think about the, the kind of car that, that we drive. And, and listen, it seems like every single garage nowadays is filled with a car that has all the latest gadgets, right? Right? We're worried about, you know, does this thing link to my cell phone? Right? I mean, what is, that, that has nothing to do with how it drives, right? But we're worried about, can, can this car talk to my phone? I, you know, I, I definitely don't remember our, the generations before us worried about those things. Right? I mean, they, you know what, when I think about the cars that our fathers and grandfathers drove, it was all about functionality. Right? It can even be American made. Right? They were worried about, you know, things like gas mileage, maybe, but it was limited to that. There was nothing else they worried about. And listen, so when we think about the context in which this is written in, when Jesus is talking to the people that are listening, Right, we can rest assured that we're worrying way more than they worried. Right, that it's not gotten better, it's gotten worse. You know, we just look back a couple generations at all those things that I just mentioned, and you can see clearly that we are going down a path of worry. That this is serious, and this is something that we need to be freed from. You know, this this month as we concentrate on letting freedom ring, and I told y'all, and, and I'm serious, when it comes to... Picking out how many times I got to preach this month, 
and all the ways that you can have, find freedom in Christ. I mean, it's disappointing that there's so many different ways. There's not enough time for me to preach. Right? There's so much freedom in Christ. And, and there was only so many subjects that we could pick. But it's really important that we talk about worry. It's very important that we look at worry. It's important to Jesus. It, it, was, in, it's, it was important two, two and three generations ago. And it's definitely still important today. There was a man that was sitting on his porch with his friend. It was on a Sunday. And you know, on Sundays, it's supposed to be the day that everybody's kind of relaxed anyway. And as they sat on the porch, he looks over at his friend. And he said, man, you look worried. And his friend looked at him and he said, man, I'll tell you what, if one more thing goes wrong in my life today, then I'm going to have to wait two weeks so I can worry about it. <laughs> you, you know, and, and listen, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it feels like that's the case, isn't it? It's like so many things go wrong in our lives. You know, it, it's like it's, it's hard not to worry. And sometimes, you know, we're worried and the capacity of worry runs out. Like, like that man is sitting there worrying on the porch. He's like, one more thing. I'm so worried about the things that's already happened. If things continue to go wrong, I can't worry about anything else. I, I, I'm full. You know, when you look at the first thing that Jesus says in the text that we read this morning, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, it's important that we kind of cross-reference in, in different translations. And listen, in the in the heading of this Bible in the CSB, the, the title to that section we just read is called The Cure for Anxiety. The Cure for Anxiety. Right? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And listen, you may say, Pastor, I don't struggle with worry. I'm not a worrier. But buddy, I feel anxious all the time. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you all that, listen, that's the same thing. That if you're full of anxiety, you may feel like that you're not worried. I ain't worried. I got this. But man, I feel anxious. I feel like I can't gather my thoughts. I feel, you know, all the time I feel this pressure. That's worry. That's the same thing. As a matter of fact, if you looked at the Revised Standard Version, the RSV, it would say, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. If you look into the NIV, into a study Bible, which I did this week, you would find out that the passage means, it says do not worry in the NIV as well. But in the study Bible, it tells us that the same thing in the Greek, do not worry, means don't let your mind be divided. Okay, it says do not worry, don't let your mind be divided. And it actually says it means the same thing, it's not letting your mind be torn Apart. I don't know about y'all, but I can relate with that. You know, you, know, you, just, you know, sometimes you feel so overwhelmed and, 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 you're, and you're going to the left, you're going to the right, you're trying to find faith. And sometimes it feels like it's tearing you apart. Is that you this morning? Do you feel like worry tears you apart? Jesus is emphasizing, as we read that this morning, Jesus is trying to tell us, do not be turned aside from the goal. And the goal is God's glory. 
He's saying, do not be turned aside from God's glory to be concerned for the body and its needs. Right? And listen, let me remind you that the title in my Bible says the cure for anxiety. The cure for anxiety is for us not to set aside the main goal, which is God's glory, to be concerned for the body and its needs. I want to give us three points this morning uh, when we talk about freedom from worrying. Three points. And the first one I want to go over is what Jesus did not mean. Because it can, it can be a little confusing, right? When you read this, sometimes the devil can lie to us and tell us, well, we don't have to worry about this, that, or the other. And I want to just jump right out in, in the forefront and tell you there's a few things that Jesus did not mean. The first one is that Jesus certainly was not telling us not to prepare for the future. Jesus was certainly not telling us not to prepare for the future. If you think about Jesus, he's always our example. He repeatedly appealed to us as the outcome is our motive, right? As we go through life, he he always appealed to us that our motive for personal action be the future. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, he would say things in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 6. He tells us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Right? He's talking about planning ahead. That our motives now, that our actions, that as we go through life, that our actions should be as such that we are planning ahead. That we are setting aside treasures in heaven. That in this life, our goal should be glorifying God, therefore laying Aside treasures in heaven. Also, he tells us in Matthew in the chapter before, chapter 5, that we will have a great reward in heaven. Right? He's telling us that our motives in this life, once again, should be such that we live our lives planning ahead for our reward in heaven. Lastly, in Luke chapter 7, he asks us to count the cost of discipleship. Right? Jesus is telling us, look, before you even attempt to follow me, before you say I'm all in, you need to count the cost. You need to plan ahead. Right? He's telling us, he's not saying don't worry about it. He's saying, whoa, hang on. Count the cost. Plan ahead. Another way that we can be certain that God, I mean, that Jesus is not telling us in this passage that we don't need to plan for the future is that God constantly plans for the future. You might say, how do you know that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) We constantly talk about God's provision. In life, as we pray, as we talk, as we seek, we constantly talk about God's provision. The word pro means ahead. Pro means to be ahead. The word vision means to look or see. God's provision means that God is constantly planning ahead. God, his provision means that he is constantly looking ahead. Do you see it? If, if, if we're being restored to the image of our father, right? If, if Jesus is our example, then certainly Jesus is not telling us in this text not to plan for the future. 
The second thing that Jesus did not mean is that we should have some type of Pollyanna view that we can do nothing and God will provide. You know, sometimes in this text, people can get a distorted view that this means that we just lay up and God gives us everything we need. You know, you could say, God, if God wants to give me food, clothes, and shelter, he will. I don't need to plan. I don't need to go to work. If God wants to give me health, he will. I don't need to go see a doctor for for preventative measures. You know, Jesus warns us in this text against worry. He's not warning us against work. As a matter of fact, if you just look at the birds... Listen, the birds don't worry, but the birds work, right? The birds are constantly gathering, right? They're building nests, right? They're, they're, they're eating, they're getting food, they go get the food, right? But, but listen, he's not telling us that we don't have to work. As a matter of fact, when we look to Jesus as our example, in the same way, in John uh, chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus says, I must work. The works of him that sent me. And certainly if Jesus works, then we too should work. My mom was always a great example of work in my life. We, we learned from a very young age that we are able, right? And, and we, that God gave us two arms and two legs and we need to go out there and work that we are capable and he gave us a mind and we need to go out there and do everything we can right that we need to go and do the best we can every day we learned also in life that if it my mom always told us if it sounds too good to be true then it probably is right That, that, that we also learned that there's no substitute for hard work and there's no such thing as easy money and all those things are true, right? And, and, and God knows that we need to work. And Jesus is by no means telling us that we need not to work. He's telling us that we need not to worry. The third thing that Jesus did not mean is that if you trust God enough, you will have no problems. Jesus was not saying that. He was not saying that if we trust God enough, that you will have no problems. You know, it would be nonsense if we thought uh, that it was a lack of faith for someone to go see a doctor. Right? It would be nonsense if we thought that that a, a farmer didn't need to go and water his crops. Jesus is our example in this scenario is so many times we probably don't think About Jesus in his situation, even early on in life. Jesus lost his stepfather, Joseph. They don't know exactly what age, but they assume it was probably around age 12. Right? In his absence, that that Jesus definitely knew what hard times were. That Jesus probably knew all about patching old garments. Or looking earnestly for a lost coin. Right, that when he speaks about these types of issues, that he knows what it means to do without. That his mother was a widow. Right, and, and through his life, he had hardship. Right, he, he knew what it meant to have hard times. 
So Jesus certainly was not saying that if you trust God enough, you won't have any problems because Jesus himself experienced problems in life. But I also want us to look at what God tells us in his word. And in Genesis chapter 3, you would find that God never said that this life would be easy. As a matter of fact, God told us that it would be just the opposite. That at the fall in Genesis chapter 3, he says that we would toil and that we would labor. Right? He said that there would be thorns and there would be thistles. Didn't he? As a matter of fact, he told us that we would eat by the sweat of our brow. He never said it was going to be easy. So the second point, the first one was what did Jesus not mean? And moving forward, I want to talk about what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? The first word that we can start with is the very first word we read in verse 25, and it starts with therefore. Anytime in scripture when we see the word therefore, we need to go backwards to see what it's there for. <laughs> well, when you do in, in this scenario, in verses 19 all the way through verse 24, you would find an account that Jesus is telling us that one cannot serve both heavenly treasure and earthly tre treasure is life's goal. That that person would be double-minded. In verses 22 and 23, it illustrates and, and further emphasizes that the eye that is on God's glory cannot also be on the material comforts in life. That, that we either have to focus on God or focus on money. And, he, and he, he, he finishes that thought in verse 24 by telling us that one cannot serve both God and money. We can't be divided in our minds. That we, ha that we don't need to be separated from our true purpose of life by worrying about food and about clothing. There's a, there's a great illustration on that point in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41 in the account of Martha and Mary. See, it, pres it preserves for us an interesting illustration when it comes to worry because Martha was so worried about preparing dinner for Jesus that she could not enjoy him. The dinner was important. But it was not most important. Okay? When we're talking about worry this morning, look, the dinner was important, but it was not most important. The same thing, that's a great illustration for our point this morning, right? That, listen, we can worry about, you know, our bodies. We can worry about what we eat. We can worry about what we drink. We can worry about what we wear. And listen, I'm not saying that all those things aren't important, but what I am saying this morning is they're not most important. That, that's, that's the point this morning. That we have got to set our eyes on the Lord. That that is the cure for anxiety. That is how we are freed from worry. I want to submit to you this morning that if God made each of us. If he made each of us an immortal soul. Right? That he gave us the soul in each one of us. That he created us in his own image. And he gave each one of us an earthly body. 
then, then listen, how foolish would it be for us not to believe that, that he would provide a way to food or to feed us and to clothe us? That's the same thing that Jesus is teaching in verse 26. He tells us to consider the birds. That God has a plan for them. That they have continued for generations and generations. That nobody has to worry. Right? The birds are continuing. They don't sow or reap or gather food into barns. They're not storing it away. They do work for their food, but they're not storing it away into barns. It says that they're cared for by their Heavenly Father. And how much more important are we to God than, than the birds? And surely we must trust him to provide a way for us to obtain food. He can, Jesus continues in 28 through 30 uh, considering the flowers. I love this because you can only imagine how King Solomon is adorned. right? You can imagine how his majesty would be dressed. right? And, and especially in this time, in the context in which this is, this is written, in the... In the the dyes that it took to make his clothing, right? How many people it took to make that clothing? I mean, there were so many specialties, you know, from the people who made the, the, the fabrics to the people who sewed them together to the people who dyed the fabric, right? All of these things had to happen and how he was adorned. And you think about the jewels in his crown, right? All the ways that his majesty is dressed the way he's adorned but it says that God clothes the flowers even more beautifully than King Solomon in all of his glory so us as a person how much more important are we than a flower and the heavenly father will provide a way for us to be clothed as well that he made us and he will clothe us. What a great word picture that Jesus provides us. That assures us that, that God made you. He cares for you. He will feed you. He will clothe you. Just like your earthly father. Your heavenly father will make sure that you have what you need. Right? So the first point was what Jesus did not say. Our second point was what did Jesus say. And our third point this morning is that we need to have loyalty to God rather than loyalty to distraction. Amen. Loyalty to God rather than loyalty to distraction. You know, it's amazing that this many points can come out of that, such, a, such a short text. Right? I mean, Jesus can, can use so few words and say so much. The first point on loyalty to God rather than distraction that Jesus gives us is that concerning the past, that worrying accomplishes nothing. The past is the past. So many times I know that there are many people in here and, and I, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what is in your past, but God knows everything you've done. And the, and the blood of Jesus is enough, is, is sufficient to cover everything that you've ever done and everything that you ever will do. Surely God does not want you to sacrifice the present today 
and the future tomorrow by worrying about the past. So how do we get away from that? How do we get away from worrying about the past? And the way you do that is to confess your sins of the past fully. I'm going to say that again. Fully. I like to tell people that, listen, what we uncover, God will cover. And what we cover, God will uncover. Right? So, so when, I, when I say that, what I'm saying is, that, listen, God has dug a hole. He wants you to throw it in that hole. And he's going to cover it. And you don't ever need to go back and dig it up. He's, your sins are forgiven. The past can no longer be a barrier for your present and your future fellowship with God. When Jesus hears you say, uh, you, we need to hear Jesus say, thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. That's Luke 7, 48 and 50. The next point under loyalty to God rather than loyalty to distraction is concerning the present. I want you to look at verse 28, or I'm sorry, 27. Concerning the present, verse 27. Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Three words for, for you on worrying. Worrying is useless. <laughs> worrying is useless. The present, talking about today, you know, <laughs> worrying is not going to increase. In, in different translations, there are different Uh, words that they use for verse 27. Some in, in the CSB here it says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Uh, some uh, translations uh, have different words talking about one cubit or, or it, it's a, it, it's a uh, relation to your stature. But most translations Translated as adding one cubit to your lifespan. Just like in the CSB that I read this morning. It says, can any of you add one moment? Right? In other words, it's actually doing the opposite. I want you to think about it. If we're worrying, time is going away. It's not adding anything. Same thing to this. We're not, it's gonna, not going to make you any better of a person by worrying. Either way, regardless of the translation that you read, whether it's the adding one cubit to your stature or, or adding one moment to your life, both are true. Wor you know, it goes back to what I said in a minute ago. Worrying is useless. The third point uh, under loyalty to God rather than distraction is that worry is pagan. Verses 31 through 33 Jesus tells us, starting in verse 31, he says, So don't worry, saying, what, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. 
Yeah, he's saying that heathens spend their time and energies in pursuit of material things. But we, we can't be distracted from life's central purpose, which is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to us. I heard a, a man say one time, how do you know that you are not poor in spirit? Because you're rich in worry. How do you know that you're not poor in spirit? Right? Jesus would tell us, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means that we know that we are, are not able to save ourselves. We know that we have a huge need for the saving grace of Jesus. Right? We know that we need God. We know that we are, are so dependent on our relationship with Him. And that's why Jesus tells us, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Amen. We realize that we're poor. And our only way, our only hope is Jesus. We're blessed. But, it, but this man, he said, how do you know that you're not poor in spirit? Because you're rich in worth. Right When you're full of anxiety, when you're full of worry, when you're so full of all the things of life, you're not focused on God. You can't be poor in spirit and rich in worry at the same time. The last point about loyalty to God rather than distraction is that the worrying about the future is, use, is useless. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you ever thought about how many times we worry about things that never happen? I, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, worried about bank accounts, worried about sickness, worried about scenarios in our minds. I mean, it goes on and on. But how, how many things do we worry about in this life that never even happen? Right? You've always heard that, that saying, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. You know what? That's a pretty good idea. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. That's not my words. That's the words of Jesus. Right? That, that's the words of God Almighty. He's telling us, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be there when you get there. Don't cross that bridge till you get there. Amen. You know, th there was a man that worried about having cancer for 30 years. He worried over and over every day. He worried about developing cancer, that he might have cancer for 30 years. Eventually, that man had a heart attack from all the worrying. You know, the sad part is, in, in that illustration, it, uh, that's us. Right? He, think about the 30 years that he, that he ruined by worrying about something that never happened. Look, he spent 30 years of his life considering and meditating on something that was not true. Amen. But he should have been doing the opposite. He should have been focused in on God and his provision and his plan. But instead, he was worried about something that would never happen, and it eventually led to his demise. But I want to tell you something. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. 
that he has given you his one and only son. Right? So that, that if you believe in him, that you would not perish, but you would have eternal life. Right? God has given you today. And he says today is the day of salvation. And regardless of whether you have accepted that or not, regardless of whether you've said yes to Jesus, today is still a present. Today is a present. And that's why he's saying don't worry about tomorrow because today is a present. And listen, don't miss the present of the present. Right? He's given us today. And he's saying, don't worry about today. How many todays do we ruin? How many days go by and we are worried about things that will not happen? We're worried about things that may never come. And we waste the present of the present. Think about that for a minute. Three scriptures I want to give you. When when worry comes, three scriptures... That are so true. The first one is 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us. There hath no temptation taken you. But such is as common to man. In other words. Whatever's happening to you. Is happening to everyone else. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above what ye are able. But will, with the temptation, will also make a way to escape. That ye may be able to bear it. What he's saying is that there's nothing that can come to you in this world or in the next. Apart from God's permissive providence. Right? It's all covered. The next one is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What he's telling us is that God's presence will abide. His grace will be sufficient. There was a man that was running through the airport. He's going, he's late for his plane. He's in panic mode. He's running as fast as he can, right? He is hightailing it to his to his gate. As he's running, he passes a pilot, right? And the pilot says, hey, whoa, hey, hey, where are you going? And he tells him what, which flight he's on and where he's headed and how late he is. And the pilot says, man, I'm the pilot of that plane. You can calm down. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Right? And, the, and listen, what we need to hear from Matt this morning is that when God is not in a turmoil, if God is not in a hurry, we need not be in a hurry. Right? When the pilot is on cool, we can be on cool. That, that we don't have to be worried that God's presence will abide and that his grace will be sufficient. And the last one is NIV. It's Romans 8.28. And we know 
that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want to submit to you this morning that God grows great Christians through great trials. Romans 8.28, we know that God works for the good, all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you take notes this morning, I want to give you two last points in conclusion as, as we leave here. These are great walking points. The first one is the way to make worry flee. How do you make worry leave the room? How do we make worry flee in our lives? You need to write this down. When you don't give honor to God, you will become anxious. When you don't give honor to God, you will become anxious. What do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is the most fulfilled, you can, you can use that word fulfilled, you can use the word satisfied, you can use the word happy, right? The most fulfilled, the most happy, the most satisfied man in life is the man who constantly praises God. Amen. Right? If you want to make worry flee, it's impossible for you to worry and praise God at the same time. If you want to make worry flee, if worry troubles you, when worry shows up, start praising the name of Almighty God. That's the way he's, it's got to flee. Right then, it stops. Me and Steve talked about that. He just smiled when I, when I said that. But, and listen, he, he, he said, Brad, that reminds me of the song we used to sing in Sunday school as children. Count your many blessings one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Right? When worry shows up, you got to fight it with the truth. And listen, the truth is, no matter what is happening, no matter what you're worried about, you, when it comes to spiritual thing, it, things, if you are lacking faith, you need to praise God in all He's done in your life. You need to think back at all the tent poses and how God has used you, how God has showed up, how God has saved you, right, over and over and over. If your faith is weak, immediately praise God for what He's done in your life for spiritual things. Right? It, 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 listen, if your woe is me, if, if you're having that time of worry in your life when finances and torment and all the things are stacking up like that down on the porch... Immediately praise God and start listing all the things that he's done in your life. And worry will flee. Amen. Because the truth will set you free. And the last one is, and we're going to get out of here. The way to, to develop a worry-free life. right? The, the first one was, how do we make worry flee? Because we all experience worry. But there's also ways that we can start training ourselves to where we can declare that we are developing a worry-free life. Here's how you do it. Number one, you stop chasing the material things in life. That's where Jesus started. Don't worry about those things. It's going to be given to you. Stop chasing whatever it is. Blank. Stop chasing blank. I don't know what that blank is in your life. Stop chasing it. Stop chasing blank. 
Number two, think of yourself less. Not think less of yourself. (laughs) Think of yourself less. Right? Think of yourself less. In other words, when you're focused on other people, listen, I never worry. When I'm doing ministry, when I'm loving on others, when I'm praying for others, it always, always is not about me. Right? Think of yourself less. Put others before you and you will naturally not worry. I never worry when I'm doing ministry. I never worry. The two things don't go together. So the way, number one, stop chasing what it blank. Think of yourself less. And it leads straight into pray, number three, pray for others. Naturally, whenever we, whenever we seek the Lord, whenever we are down on our face, whenever we are praying and seeking Him, we always have, seems like, this list of things that we need. But I want to encourage you today that as you pray, as you seek Him, I want you to seek Him in the name of others. Pray for others. And the last one is, stop straddling the fence. Stop straddling the fence. He tells us the cure for anxiety, the way to stop worrying is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Stop straddling the fence. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you.